Every one of us. Everyone for whom God has called out of darkness, the darkness that we once walked in, and brought into the light of our Savior, Jesus Christ, will go through times of desperation. Times when we feel our Lord is not even with us. But even in those times of desperation, we still know who is sovereign God of all things. We still know. David cried out, my God, my God. Do you know he had to experience that feeling? Yeah. I know that's a picture, a messianic psalm, a messianic message uh, picture of our Christ when he hung on that cross. But David had to experience that. He knew the darkness that we can go through and experience as we walk through this life that God has us here. I know whom it is that I believed. I, I don't know if the Lord is close to me right now, but I know who He is. And I know, I believe He is who He is. I believe He has done what He has done. And I believe he is right where he is right now on his throne in heaven. You see, folks, everything we go through, everything that comes our way, our God has purposed. Everything throughout creation was purposed by our God for a reason. You can open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Luke. We've been going through a series of Scriptures in the book of Luke. This morning we'll be in Luke chapter 2. I'm convinced, are you? Like Paul said, I'm convinced that nothing can separate me from the love of God. And he gave us all kinds of reasons for that in the 8th in the chapter of Romans. All the way back to Romans 8, chapter, chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation. We can't be charged. Our charge was laid upon our Savior. I'm convinced. I'm, I'm, I'm confident. The promises of God shall come to be. He's going to return. I know it seems like it's been a long time these last 2,000 years since our Lord walked this earth. <laughs> In His eyes, it's only a couple minutes blink of an eye. Uh-huh. Yeah. I know he's going to be back. Yes. He tells me so in his word. My faith may be so weak at times that I can't see past my own nose, but I still know who is God. I still know that he rules over everything. And everything that is happening to me Everything that is happening to my family, everything that is happening to my brothers and sisters right here in this room or on the internet or who can't be with us today. Pray for Brother James Looper, if you would. He's feeling pretty ill. I think he got a pretty good cold going on. The God of all creation, the God spoken of in this book that we hold in our hands, 
is a God of purpose. Let me read for you three verses, four verses. In Isaiah chapter 14, at verse 24, we begin with these words, The Lord of hosts hath sworn. Isn't that wonderful? That means his word is sure. Whatever he has said shall come to pass. The Lord of hosts hath sworn, saying, Surely as I have thought. <laughs> he didn't even have to say it. He's so powerful, he just thinks it. And it comes to pass. That's the God of creation. That's the God we know. That's the God we can trust. That's the God that our faith is in. God-given faith in. Is the one who surely, whatever he thinks, whatever he, surely as I have thought, so shall it come to pass. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. A God of purpose. And the same chapter of Isaiah, verses 26 and 27, he says these words, This is the purpose that is purposed upon the whole earth. And this is the hand that is stretched out upon all the nations. For the Lord of hosts hath purposed, and who shall disannul it? And his hand is stretched out, and who shall turn it back? In the 46th chapter of Isaiah, verse 11, we read this: these words. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country, yea, I have spoken it, I will also bring it to pass, I have purposed it, I will also do it. Well now, wait a minute, John, does that mean floods and famines? <laughs> wars? Does that mean all of that is purposed by God? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You folks, most of you remember what we call 9-11. Do you know that was purposed by God? Yeah. That's a sad thing in your my heart. But by the wisdom of God, it was purposed for the good of His people. For the good of His people to them that love Him, to those who are called. Everything is. Yeah, I remember growing up, I was in uh, Cub Scouts. I don't remember exactly what it was I said. That was a long, long, long time ago. <laughs> but I do remember saying something about Hitler. And boy, I'll tell you what, I got, I got reamed by that lady, the, the scoutmaster, the Cub Scout leader. She just, she put me up in the corner. She made an example of me. I don't remember what it was I said, but I said something about Hitler, and she just, she come unglued. <laughs> the rise of the German army in Hitler was nothing compared to some of the evils that men have done throughout all the ages. It used to be common for people to take their children and sacrifice them to their imaginary gods. Jeremiah 4, 8, 4, 28, we read these words, For this shall the earth mourn, and the heavens above be black, because I have spoken it, 
I have purposed it and will not repent. Neither will I turn back from it. Folks, there is a there's an eternity coming for all of us. Every one of us are going to go through that door marked death. You can't stop it. You can't stop it. There's a day coming when each and every one of us will stand before God Almighty and have to answer for our lives. And many, many, many will try to stand upon their own righteousness. You and I would be right there with them if it weren't for the grace of God in coming to us and calling us unto his own. Making us righteous in him by making himself to be sin for us. Our God has purposed everything. He's purposed everything. Everything comes to pass. Everything happens by His authority. He's not the author of evil, nor iniquity. Man is the author of sin. But God has allowed it. In fact, He's even purposed it. What? What are you saying, John? Be careful, Mr. Reeves. Folks, does not God know all things? Does he not know everything? Did he not know everything before the world was ever made? There's no surprises with our God. We don't have some weakling little God who has done something and now he's waiting for man to decide on what to do. He's not waiting on... He doesn't need us. We need him. He was not caught off guard when Adam and Eve sinned. Listen to these words in Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. But the tree of knowledge, that, let me read, let me start that again. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. And then he says this to Adam. He says this to Adam. For in the day that thou eatest, in the day that, not in the day that, not, not if you eat it, but in the day that you eat it. In that day when you eat it, you shall surely die. Did Adam taking of the forbidden fruit surprise God? No. No. He has purposed all things. Listen to these words. Isaiah 23, 9. The Lord of hosts hath purposed it to stain the pride of all glory. Did you catch that? Did you understand it? Our God purposed the evils of this world to, to stain the pride of all glory. And to bring into contempt all the honorable of the earth. Oh, we love to have a little pride, don't we? When our Lord lists the sins 
that are an abomination to him, you know what the first one he lists is pride. When the devil told Adam and Eve, you shall be as gods, he was talking about pride. You're going to know good and evil is what he told them. The thing he didn't tell them correctly was, or the one, uh, let me rephrase that. The thing he told them that was contrary to God's word, God said you shall surely die. The devil said, no, you're surely not going to die, which was a lie. But everything else he said in that conversation was absolutely true. You shall be as gods. Go back and look at it in Genesis sometime when you want in your own time. You'll see it's small g. Imaginary gods. The kind that men make with their hands. The kind they make with their heart. The kind they make of themselves. The very kind that you and I made of ourselves until the day broke us. The day the Lord broke us. The day the Lord gave us a contrite heart. A heart that knew there was nothing we could offer Him. A heart that looked and seeked to Him because He first drew us to Him. The Lord of hosts hath purposed it to stain the pride of all glory, to bring into contempt all the honorable of the earth. Natural man will most definitely blame sin on God for that very reason. See how God made me? And they'll do that because God allows it. Yet just that that's just another way to put off your responsibility. To put off your guilt. And I tell you here this morning, it won't work. Our Lord allowed Solomon to go out into the world and to experience everything. Bill and I did a study on that one time. Bill so my best friend. We did a study on that once. And the words that the Lord uses in telling that part of history where Solomon went out of the world, he experienced everything. Now you can take that as far as you want and you have not gone far enough. You think today's the only day in the world or in the world of man where we have such things as homosexuality, robbery, theft, murder, hatred? That stuff's been around forever. That's why the sounds were called Sodom and Gomorrah. The Old Testament tells us that men did what they thought was right in their own minds. Solomon went out and he tried it all. And he came back and he said, it is all vanity. That means he went out and tried every religion. He didn't just try all the wickedness and things of the world. He tried every religion. He went to all the different religions and tried them and sat at them and looked at them and examined them. And it was all vanity. All vanity of man's imagination. Men will find anything to put off their responsibility for their own actions. Adam and Eve tried to cover their own nakedness and it was not sufficient. Even after covering themselves with leaves, they still hid from God because they knew that their works was insufficient. 
And then God clothed them in his righteousness. Picture of the shedding of his own son's blood. We have created all different types of religions, all types of religious rituals trying to thwart our responsibility for our actions, and yet it is all in vain. There's only one place to put away sin, and that's in the Son of the living God, Jesus Christ himself. We recently considered the purpose of John the Baptist back in Luke chapter 3, verse 4. We read these words, As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. There's only one way. That's Jesus Christ our Lord. John came with the message of baptism and repentance by the one who is the way. In the 14th chapter of John, our Lord tells us in his own words, he saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That was you and I. That was every one of God's people out wandering through the world looking for an excuse to cover up their sin. Trying to find a way to justify their wickedness. Don't tell me you weren't. I know you were. God's Word says you were. Oh, but the love of God when he comes to a poor lost sinner wandering in darkness and shines the light of his grace in their hearts. Everything comes to pass. Everything that comes to pass comes to pass by the purpose of our God. That God might show his mercy, his grace upon a people he chose before the world was. Not all people, but on a chosen people by him through love with an eternal love that is everlasting to everlasting. Listen to the words of Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 7. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, we were chosen in the Savior. God the Father chose us in his Son before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him. Holy and without blame. He had determined, he had purposed before the world was ever created. I will have a people and they will be as holy as me and they will be in my presence for eternity. That's what that's saying. Before the world was ever made. From the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and without blame before him. In love, in his love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. According to to the good pleasure of His will. Are you getting the picture of whose purpose this is all about? Are you grasping the hold of the magnitude of who it is that has purposed everything? Oh. to the praise of the glory of His grace wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according 
to the riches of His grace. God's eternal purpose was decreed before the stars ever twinkled. John, the writer of the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ, was given visions. And in those visions, he, he wrote these words over in Revelation 5 or 6, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb. Stood a lamb as it had been slain. Can you picture that? A beautiful white lamb. Perfect. Spotless before God. On the throne. You know, that's what he is right now. Right now, he's sitting on his throne with the very marks in his hand still there. Did he not take Doubting Thomas and say, put your finger in there when he came back from the dead? Did he not take Doubting Thomas's hand and say, put your hand in here in the side where his sword had punctured him? His wounds will be there for eternity. For eternity, we will cry out glory to our Lord for your mercy and grace to us. And in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain. Over in verse 12 of that same chapter, we read these words saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. In the 13th chapter of Revelation, we read these words, The lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Everything that happens, our weaknesses, our crying out to the Lord, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me today? Where are you when I need you? Was purposed by God for our good. Our great Savior, born in the likeness of men, yet without sin, was determined before anything was ever created to be this perfect, spotless Lamb of God. Everything He came to do, He did. And all He did pleased the Father perfectly. This is my Son, in whom I am well pleased, saith God Almighty from the clouds. And everybody heard it, even though they couldn't see Him. Everybody heard those words. Are you with me in the book of Luke? Chapter 2. I'd like you to read with me, if you would, verses 39 through 52. Speaking of Joseph and Mary, and when they had performed all things according to the law of God, the law, the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. And the children and the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year for the feast of the Passover. Did you notice that? 
They went just like, remember Simeon? We talked about him just recently. Well, where, where was he? He was in the temple of God. Seeking. He was a devout man, devoted to seeking the will of God, where God's people meet in the temple. Mary and Joseph, Joseph and Mary, they had gone out to Jerusalem every year for a feast of the Passover, it says in verse 41. And when he was 12, speaking of the Lord Jesus, when, he's, when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph, his mother, Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinfolk and acquaintance, and they found him not. They turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. Here this is, this 13-year-old, or this 12-year-old, here he is, sitting in the temple. You know, you ever see those pictures of, of the leaders of the, of the Jews? They were all sitting around. They had the big hats, long beards. You know why? Because they'd been around a long time. And here this 12-year-old kid is sitting in the temple, listening to them, and asking them really good questions. Well, now, wait a minute. What, what, what is the, what is that? What is that supposed to mean, the, the slaughtering of the bull for, for the sins of your people? What, what is that supposed to, what's that big veil that you go in once a year? What is that supposed to mean? You think the Lord Jesus Christ didn't already know what all that meant? You would be mistaken. Just, before, just because our God became a man did not mean he had to learn everything. He did have to learn obedience. The scripture very well tells us that. But it also tells us he was omniscient about all things. He knew the thoughts of every man. And all that heard him were astonished, verse 47, at his understanding and answers. Where'd this kid get all that knowledge? He's God Almighty in the flesh. He knows all things. He knew everything right then. And when they saw him, they were amazed. Verse 48, And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And then verse 49, And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wished ye not that I must, do, that I must be about my father's business? I want to focus the rest of our remaining time on two verses. That last verse, we'll come to that in a moment. And back in our first verse, and when they had performed all things according to the law of God, they returned, no, that, not, 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 that, not that one, I'm sorry, verse 40. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. I want to look at those two verses a little deeper. All that we know about our master's boyhood And his early manhood, we've been given to us right here in the book of Luke. These few verses. We know absolutely nothing else about his earthly life. We know nothing else about our Savior from his infancy until his 30 years old. 
except that which is written right here. Now I want to warn you. Let me warn me. Let me give you a warning to myself. And may God apply it to you. We want to be very, very careful. We love to exercise our imagination, don't we? I wonder. Careful. Careful. There's a good reason the Lord doesn't record a bunch of things for us. There's a really good reason he records what he records in his word. We love to exercise our imagination in such, such things, but I warn you that God gives us little for very good reasons. Brother Don Fortner wrote this. He says, It is both the depth and folly and the height of arrogance for men to speculate about things of God, things that God has chosen not to reveal. It is an act of wisdom. It is an act of faith. It is an act of humility to simply believe and heed to that which is revealed. So what is revealed to us in these verses, in these first few verses? Look again at verse 40 with me. And the, and the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Waxed strong in spirit. That word wax means grow. God, the Son, is one with spirit, with the Spirit of God. Did you know that? Did you hear me say that? God in the flesh is one with God in the Spirit and God the Father. They are one. So how could he wax strong in the Spirit? How could he become more stronger with the Spirit if he is part of the Spirit? It's not talking about his Spirit growing strong. It's talking about the body of the child. The Spirit of God was with him is what it says. Filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, one God, yet three distinct persons. His relationship with the Spirit was one. This is speaking of His growth in the flesh. God the Son, the eternal Son, had to be in the flesh because God in the Spirit cannot die. Did you know your spirit cannot die? All of us have a spirit that's going to go out into eternity. Every one of us. And because of God's grace, the spirit of those that he has loved before the world was will go with him into heaven. The God of the eternal Son had to be in the flesh. God cannot die, but the God-man could. Look with me over at Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10, if you would. We're talking about the death of the God-man the purpose of God in sending His Son to be the propitiation for His people. Over in Hebrews chapter 10, we read... No, I'm not there. I don't know why, but I went to Romans. That's not where I want to be. Hebrews chapter 10.
Over in Hebrews chapter 10, we read in verse 1, For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year, continually, make the comers thereunto perfect. All those sac sacrifices that they were instructed to do, all those sacrifices that God told them to do, gave them to by the law of Moses, says right here, those same laws that they would continue every year after year after year after year cannot make this comers thereunto perfect. Verse 2, For then would they have not have ceased to be, for then would they not have ceased to be offered. If they could have done anything, they would have ceased, right? If the offering was good, why keep giving it? Because that the worshippers once purged should have no more conscience of sin. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. You see, I'm back again this year to go into the holiest of holies with our sacrifice because you folks in Israel, all of you Jews, have continued to sin throughout the year. That's what they just said. You've all been sinners, so I'm going to go in again this year and do what God has told me to do. Let's go on. Verse 4, For it is not possible. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering, thou wouldest not but a body talking about the purpose of God. God purposed His Son to come to this world to be our sacrifice. A body hast thou prepared. God Almighty prepared a body for His Son to come into this world. To grow from a child into a full grown man. Filled with the Spirit of God. Filled with the wisdom of God. Filled with the grace of God. That when he would lay down his life, he would be the perfect, spotless Lamb of God. Purpose by God for us. Is the grace of our Savior exploding in your heart yet? Is the grace of our Savior and his love for you exploding in your heart. It is mine. I can't believe he would be merciful to me, but he says he is. A body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do Thy will, O God. Above, when he said, Sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and the offering of sin, thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which were offered by the law. Verse 9, Then said he, Lo, I come to do the will of thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified, through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. 
In 1 Timothy 3.16, we read these words, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, and believed on in the world, and received up into glory. That's our God. That's the one who has purposed to deliver us from ourselves. That's the one who has purposed that everything we would need to be with Him in glory, He would provide for us. What a great and gracious God. He provides all that is required for His people to spend eternity with Him. We have no righteousness of our own to offer up. So He provides us with the perfect, spotless sacrifice. One to stand in our stead. One to be made sin where we were with sin. God's justice must be met. And for those whom He has loved with an eternal love, He has justified in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He has filled this one with all wisdom. That's why they were so amazed. This 12-year-old boy sitting in the in the temple with all these long-bearded men. And they're all like, we've been studying this for years, and you know more than we do. Because he's the writer of everything. (laughs) He was filled with all wisdom as the God-man he hungered. As the God-man he thirsted. As the God-man he wearied. His body required rest. Yet as God, He knew all things. He never stopped being God. And of course, the grace of God was on Him. Christ is grace. It's by the grace of God that He purposed His Son to come to this world and stand in our stead. So that when we die, when our soul goes on to heaven to stand before God and answer to God for what we did, we can say, I stand in Him. He took everything for me. He provided everything we need. And He took everything we deserve. Because of our Lord's works, God is gracious to an undeserving people. God the Father chose a people for Himself. Christ the Lord sanctified this people through the shedding of His own blood. The Holy Spirit is now calling His people, giving life to dead souls, and drawing them under God the Son. Now I told you we get to that other verse, and here we go. Verse 49, let me repeat that for you back in our text. How is it that ye sought me, he said to his mother? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's house? Did you not know? Have you not seen throughout the life that I've lived already that I must be about my father's house? She knew who her son was. She knew that he was God Almighty in the flesh. She knew that he was not a a son of man. She knew that she was a virgin when her son was born, when he was conformed in her womb. The Spirit told her it would be of the Spirit of God, not of man. Why would you look for me elsewhere? 
is what he's saying. Why would you expect me to be anywhere else? Don't you understand? Turn over to John chapter 6, if you would. John chapter 6. Let me read for you, if you would, while you're turning to John chapter 6. Let me, let me read from John chapter 4. Jesus saith unto them, He says, My meat is to do the will of Him that sent me. What was the purpose of God for His Son to be there? To be the propitiation for His people. To be the satisfaction of God's wrath upon Him instead of His people. My meat is to do the will of Him that sent me and to finish His work. As we've already addressed, God has purposed His Son to come and to be made of a woman in the likeness of men, manifest in the flesh yet without sin, that God the Father would make Him, Him who knew no sin, to be sin, that we, the loved people of God, would be made righteous, the righteousness of God in his son. Look with me if you would at verse 35, beginning at verse 35 of John chapter 6. And Jesus saith unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I said unto you that ye have also seen me, and believe not. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. Those very words we just read, the will of him that sent me, gives a clear indication that God the Father had purposed his son to sacrifice himself for you and I. We're magnifying the grace of God in his purpose, and his purpose was to save us. Shall he not? Can anything separate us from the love of God which is in his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ? No! Not even you can separate yourself from him. He won't let you. He'll keep drawing you back to himself. Oh, we try. Jonah ran from the Lord. And it was painful. It had to be painful to be swallowed by a whale or a big fish. That had to be something painful, scary. But that was the purpose of God just as anything else was. Christ the Lord came to do His Father's will to be the bread of life, the life eternal, to be that bread that nourishes the soul, just as the manna in heaven in the wilderness was so obvious that it was a gift from heaven, our Lord, the manna from heaven, our Savior, came as a gift of heaven. Listen to these words of a song we sing in our hymn books. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day. Day I will never forget. After I'd wandered in darkness away, Jesus, my Savior, I met. Oh, what a tender, compassionate friend. He met the need of my heart. Shadows dispelling, shadows dispelling with joy I am telling. He made all the darkness depart. 
Heaven came down, and glory fills my soul. Not your glory. His glory. His glory. Glorying in Him who saved an undeserving people. God purposed His Son to be our propitiation. And the word in its simplest meaning is this, satisfaction. God the Father is satisfied with the works of His Son. His justice is satisfied. This justice that He poured out on His Son. His holiness is satisfied. The holiness of His Son in you and I. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in His Son, Christ Jesus the Lord. With that in mind, let me close with one last thought. It is the purpose of God for His Son to receive all the glory. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to the 13th chapter of Acts. We'll bring this to a close. Acts chapter 13. And while you're turning there, allow me to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 30 through 31. But of Him, but of Christ Jesus, but of Him, or but, but of God the Father, are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Are you with me in Acts chapter 13? Begin with you, with me, if you would, at verse 26. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. To you is the word of this salvation sent. For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled those things that they read in every Sabbath day, the, the words of the prophets. Those men had fulfilled in, con in condemning him, condemning the Lord Jesus. We're talking about the purpose of God. God raised up those men in Israel, the religious hypocrites that they were, that they would fulfill His word and, and sacrifice His Son. It was purposed by God. And though they found no cause of, his, of death in Him, yet desired they, Pilate, that He should be slain, and when they fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher. But God raised him from the dead. God Almighty was satisfied with his son. In Romans 8, verse 34, we read these words. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God the Father, who also maketh intercession for us. Our God is a God of purpose, folks. Everything that comes our way, including our troubles, were purposed for God, by God, for our good. I know it's hard 
I understand. I have troubles of my own, just as each and every one of you do. Yet our Lord has something good for me in it. I pray that he will show you the good and what comes your way.